Hi, everyone. Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. Some pre-show announcements. What are we talking about in today's pre-show announcements? I'm going to try to keep them quick, but I have to make sure that I give two shout-outs. And also, what's happening on today's episode? So one of our shout-outs comes from Instagram. Ashley Wool reached out to us about our recent episode, episode 243, Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling. Ashley had the following to say. Hey, just listened to the Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling review, and Dave was wondering what about the subtitle. It took me a while to figure it out, but I realized it's a pun on clinging emotionally to things that are static, unchanging. Haven't heard any official confirmation of that, but I also haven't heard any other explanation. I just wanted to throw it out there. Have a good night. Ashley, I love this interpretation of this. I really think that it's fantastic. It also goes along with the idea of Rocco's famous quote of, you know, saying laundry day is a very dangerous day. Uh, So the whole idea of static cling in laundry playing back into the episode, plus your idea of emotionally clinging to things. Perfect. I love it. I want to even go one step further and say, Ashley, I really appreciate you reaching out and say that you appreciate our honesty in talking about complicated issues regarding transgender issues and breaking it down for people who might not be familiar or comfortable with those conversations, as you had mentioned. I really think the presence of Rachel, as you had mentioned, is a, is very important for the trans community. And honestly, I think our hope for this show, if you were a fan of Rocco's Modern Life in the 90s, and let's say now as an adult, you may have transitioned or you might be thinking about transitioning and you watch this episode, our goal and maybe just our simple hope is that you say, I love this. I really feel included. That means a lot to us. So thank you, Ashley, for reaching out to us and having a conversation about it. We really appreciate it. And just simply your honesty about the topic. Our second shout out comes from email with Adam Parker. Adam reached out and said, I just wanted to say that I came across your podcast on Collider.com as they're migrating the feeds. He's loving the classic episodes. He had one question. He can't seem to find the first 25 episodes or so because they seem to be missing from the feed. He says he's been hunting and he just can't find them. Specifically, he wants to hear our coverage of Silverhawk and Thundercats. They seem like shameless ripoffs of each other. (laughs) That is very true. Anyway, if those exist, I'd love a chance to hear them. Well, Adam, lucky day for you, buddy. They are actually all available on our YouTube, Podbean. They are available on iTunes as well as also Patreon. So you can check them out there. And we're going to even go one step further and hopefully blow your mind on this one. We also have the third of that series called Tiger Sharks, and we have reviewed that as well. So you can go and listen to Tiger Sharks, Silverhawks, and Thundercats. They are all awesome ripoffs of each other. So what's on today's episode? We'll start with a quote. You think I won't be ready, but you're wrong, presumptuous cab beast. I have prepared myself for this moment, and it is paid off in full. Now, if you got that quote, and I'm not going to even do the voice for it, so don't even worry about it, you are probably over the moon about the idea for the Netflix movie Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. Dave and I are going to discuss our thoughts on the new Invader Zim, and then for the second half of the episode, Dave had an opportunity to interview Jonan Vasquez, the creator of Invader Zim, so get ready for that. This is the second Nickelodeon animation special in two weeks. So, does it hold up? Does it work? Does it stack up for you humans? All of this and more. So now, on with the show.
Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider weekly podcast for all things animation, including news, reviews, and interviews. Coming to you all the way from inside a toilet, I'll be your co-host, Sean Paul Ellis, and joining me from inside of a florpus, I'm joined by my co-host, Dave Trumbor. Welcome, Dave. How's it going, bud? Uh, real quick, for folks out there who maybe aren't familiar with a florpus, better or worse to be stuck in a florpus than a toilet? Well, I'll be honest with you, I was hiding in the toilet. I wasn't stuck. I could have gotten out mm. of the toilet at any point in time. So I'm going to say Florpus is worse. I'm still stuck inside this thing, and I don't know what it is. And I can't what? get out. But luckily, <laughs> my voice carries far enough that we're able to record this podcast. It's very weird recording in space, isn't it? It is. In space, <laughs> no one can hear you podcast. And some people would probably <laughs> prefer it that way. Uh, if you have gotten all the way through this intro and you have absolutely no idea what we are going to be talking about, and you completely skipped the intro that we had for the show, oh, buddy. We are going to be talking about the Invader Zim Enter the Florpus new animation that is on Netflix right now. So you can go and you can watch it. Uh, and just to provide some additional context, Dave and I originally reviewed the series Invader Zim as a part of our New Year's Nicktoons in January of 2017. You can go back and you can take a listen to that episode. It's episode 138. So long time ago. Long time ago, but not quite as long as uh, Invader Zim itself was still on the air. Right. Back when Netflix was, was it even around at that point? 13 years ago? Yeah, but was it like the actual like rent this DVD and we will mail it to you through the postal service for things which like no longer exist? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I was, I was, I know that I was still getting DVDs at that point. Yeah, I guess it was what, 2006 when I went off the air? Yes, 2006 is when Invader Zim, the final airing date for the show was. Yeah, so actually like uh, six, sorry, 13 years, almost to the day. So almost to the day when Netflix releases the Nickelodeon-backed special Invader Zim Enter the Florpus. So that, I mean, for the, for the numerologists and conspiracy theorists out there, this means everything. But for everybody else, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a, you, just a fun little fact that we found. Are you bringing up the idea that there might be some cartoon conspiracies, Dave? We're going to do a spinoff podcast called Cartoon Conspiracies <laughs> After Dark, so we hope you join us. Ooh, man, that sounds real sexy. It will be. Before we get into Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus, we have some news. We've got some quick news. And Dave, what have we got going on this week? Yeah, if you guys have been following along with the new Collider Weekly version of Saturday Morning Cartoons, we like to throw a little bit of news in at the beginning of each episode just to get you caught up on your animation headlines from the week. Now, like the last couple of weeks, and probably like most weeks going forward, Not a lot of animation news out there. Why? Because only awesome people like you and Sean and myself uh, were into this stuff. Everybody else, a bunch of losers. So this week, we saw some kind of high-level executive moves uh, from Disney. We're not going to get into the nitty-gritty details of this, all that's really important here. After Disney's buyout of Fox and everything that Fox owned, part of that deal included uh, Blue Sky Studios. Now, Blue Sky Animation Studios was known for the Rio and Ice Age franchises, as well as a couple kind of standalone titles there as well. They still have titles in the works. We've got Spies in Disguise coming out later this year. I believe that's like a Christmas release date uh, this year, opening against a little movie called Star Wars. We'll see how that (laughs) move turns out for Blue Sky. But what's interesting here is Disney shuffled around a bunch of high-level executives. So essentially they moved a Walt Disney Animation president over to be a co-president of Blue Sky. So they're kind of like 
merging themselves in with the existing kind of infrastructure and hierarchy over at Blue Sky to just be like, hey, we're uh, we're paying attention to what you guys are doing. And we'll see how you do. I don't know. Fingers crossed that they do a robots sequel. Robot sequel from what, like 2001? 2005. <laughs> 2005? Okay. Yeah. Because then they had a short that they had called Aunt Fanny's Tour of Booty, which was like a oh, an dear. extension of that universe yeah. and, and kind of following some of those characters. So Tour of Booty. I want a sequel for Tour of Booty. Probably not on a Disney banner. But what's interesting oh. here is they're like I said, they're shuffling some execs around and it's a little insider baseball, so we won't get too into it. But just have that on your radar that uh, you know, Blue Sky Dill still does have some titles coming out. Disney might just be waiting to see how the next one does, and then you might see either some layoffs or you might see them kind of absorbed into Disney proper. They may change the name. It may be Disney's Blue Sky. Uh, you know, they might turn them into sort of a, a AAA team, a feeder farm, uh, the minor leagues here to feed into their uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios and Pixar because Pixar is in the mix as far as uh, some oversight as well. So kind of interesting. We'll keep an eye on that one. Um, go see Spies in Disguise, I guess, at the end of this year. <laughs> I think it has Will Smith as a super spy and then he turns into a pigeon. So obviously okay. going to make a billion dollars. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, on the uh, home release front, we've got the latest animated adventure from uh, the DC Universe. So DC Universe, original animated movies, whatever the order is of those words, I can never remember it properly. But on the first episode of Saturday Morning Cartoons under the Collider Weekly banner, Sean and myself reviewed Batman Hush. That was the most recent animated feature to come out the next one coming up wonder woman bloodlines now if you're not familiar with the wonder woman origin story especially the one from the live action movies this feels like it's going to be a kind of retelling uh, we saw the first trailer earlier this week we also have the release date uh, whether it's on digital 4k uh, blu-ray or dvd that's all going to be this october so it's going to be staggered dates this october but if you're looking forward to that you can check out the trailer you can look up the synopsis and check that out. See if you want to have it on your radar. And then you've only got a couple of months to wait before you can pick that one up on home video. We will probably have a review and maybe some interviews right here on this very podcast. You excited about that one at all? I am. I mean, this is going to be the 36th DCAU yeah. movie that they have. And so I, I love DCAU. I will watch pretty much anything that they put out. And I think out of the 35 that are currently available... Batman Hush was the first one that I didn't 100% love, so yep. still batting pretty high with me. Very excited. Like Ryan Reynolds said, that's enough to get you in the Hall of Fame. So uh, this will be, I think, what, the second or third maybe sort of standalone Wonder Woman title? I think she's had two or three without kind of going so. back into it. So it's not the first time we're seeing it, but it is kind of the new, it looks like the new retconned uh, origin story for her. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. It looks like from the trailer she's fighting like every supervillain she's ever fought. Um, and there's some in there that I'm like, I don't know who you are. There's like <laughs> Giganta and uh, Cheetah and some of the obvious ones. But then there's other ones where I'm like, I have no clue who you are. So that has me interested at least just to, you know, brush up on my comics knowledge a little bit more and, and find out what this new take on the Wonder Woman villains actually are. So we'll check it out. And it's got the same voice cast come back too. So if you like that, stick around for this one. Always a great voice cast for yep. Diana. So excited about that. Cool. That's it for the news. That's all she wrote. That's right. Hey, we are going to be talking about Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. And if you're not familiar with sort of the synopsis, the summary of Enter the Florpus, kind of set the table for everybody. We're going to turn this over to longtime listener in front of the show, Bobby Anthem, for a summary of Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. Bobby, take it away. 
Zim discovers his almighty leaders never had any intention of coming to earth, and he loses confidence in himself for the first time in his life, which is the big break his human nemesis Dib has been waiting for. Invader Zim debuted on Nickelodeon in 2001 and chronicled the efforts of an extraterrestrial named Zim on a mission to conquer Earth and enslave the human race. I would honestly hope at some point in time that maybe they hear Bobby and they decide to include him in an Invader Zim cartoon. At in some any point. cartoon. Any cartoon. I would love it. I want Bobby, if you're listening, I know you are at some point. I want you to do your own like PBS public broadcast painting show and be the new Bob Ross. You can be Bobby Ross if you want. I don't care. Whatever you want to do, but I just need that. I need those dulcet tones to lull me to sleep on a, on a warm Saturday afternoon. Or you can just call me up and do it. That's fine too. <laughs> Until then, though, he's going to be here on the show helping all of us That's understand right. exactly what's going on. I still don't understand what's going on with this show. I don't either. No. But let's get into it. Yeah. So, uh, for longtime listeners and for new listeners, we are kind of changing our format in terms of what we're doing, how we're talking about the show. And so very similar to the Clint Eastwood, the good, the bad, the ugly, <laughs> we are now changing this to the good, the bad, and the LOL. What did we like? What did we not like? And then finally, what made us give a chef's kiss in terms of making us laugh out loud while watching this actual cartoon. Intentionally or otherwise. Sometimes it's, it's right there in the script and sometimes it's like, wow, that's, that's a choice. So Did not we'll see. see that one coming, but we like to end, we like to end the review on kind of at least an uplifting fun note, if not always necessarily a positive one. We didn't want to end with the, you know, the ugly, um, just because we don't want to punch down at animators and creators who, who work hard to bring us these, these joyful slices of entertainment in the media. So yeah, the LOLs. That's well. We'll sandwich it. All the bad stuff's going to be in the middle. And for me personally, it's a short list. We'll see how Sean feels. Yeah, no, I'm excited to do it. So Dave, the good. Let's talk about the good for Enter the Florpus. Thirteen years in the making, coming back on Netflix now. How are you feeling? Yeah, and and as a uh, reminder for our folks listening, there after our review today, we will have an interview with Jonan Vasquez, creator of the show, and he will be talking about uh, his experience, you know, making the show, working with Nickelodeon, shifting over, and making this special for uh, for Nickelodeon through Netflix to distribute. So we'll be getting more into like the details of the production side of things, some explainers from the creator himself a little bit later on. So we're not going to dig into that too much now. But one of the things that I talked to him about was the animation style in this special. And I should say animation styles, because honestly, they throw a bunch of different things in here in ways that you would not expect. This is probably also a good time to say there will be spoilers for Invader Zim Enter the Florpus because we're reviewing it. So go check it out. Hit pause. Uh, if you're afraid of spoilers, go watch it. It's only about an hour long. And then come on back and hop into it. Why? Because the first thing you see is an anime-inspired intro that you're not expecting. The first thing you see once the title screen goes up is just like it looked like I was watching something on Crunchyroll or like Funimation or whatever. It just I was like, OK, that's interesting. They do this kind of opening narration to draw people in. And Vasquez has some really funny comments on why he chose to do it that way, which I won't spoil here. But I absolutely love that style of, of animation. And then the shift not very long after it back into the animation style that we kind of know and love from the world of Invader Zoom. I agree as well. I really enjoyed the the animation style and the shift. And I, I won't get too much into the spoilery aspect of yeah. this, but I love the fact that at the very end of the movie, it really goes haywire in terms of the animation style. 
sort of what it presents. It just, it goes as crazy as you want this and know and expect and love this show to go. And it does it in a really fun way. And that for me was something excellent just to see that varying style of animation to kind of contribute to the chaos that was happening in the actual movie itself. Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit because I think if anybody out there has seen uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you're kind of familiar with the idea of uh, alternate realities. And that's all we'll kind of say as far as the plot of this this special goes. But that's a really fun way for animators to get to throw a bunch of different bonkers animation styles in, in like quick succession, sort of a montage-like scene. And you get to see everything from hand-drawn animation to almost... Ren and Stimpy style, kind of like grotesquerie, uh, to live action. Mm, should I spoil it? Yeah. Live ahead. action pugs dressed up in, in costumes <laughs> and stop motion and puppets and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's like it's a really quick sequence, but it's a lot of fun. And I'm glad they threw that in there. It, re- it really made it a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Was pug motion your favorite? I think pug motion, the, that was probably without getting into the LOL, yeah, yeah. that made me laugh very very hard it was great uh, and it happened very early on and then i want to encourage everybody to watch all the way to the very end after the a, credits after the credits you yep. get a very fun pug stinger for all of three seconds <laughs> worth it, it just and yeah very much worth it very much worth it uh the other thing i think getting into the content a little bit more um i think the fact that this special it, it kind of just like briefly addresses what zim and dib and everybody else in the show what they've been up to for 15 16 years but they don't take it super seriously so you know they don't have to they don't have to do the typical anime thing where they explain you know a generation has gone by and the torch has been passed or whatever they're just Honestly, Zim's been hiding in a toilet and Dib's been sitting in a chair for the entire time. <laughs> and both of them are kind of like more insane uh, for the fact that they've been doing this. I thought that was handled really well. What about you, though? Yeah, I, I enjoyed the fact that they they kind of entered into a nonsensical explanation for this. Yeah. And I, I think for anybody who loves Invader Zim, and, and I know that when we have originally talked about and reviewed this, Invader Zim wasn't something that I watched a ton. It was at a point where I I knew that it existed. I had watched a bunch of episodes, uh, but it wasn't a staple for me in the way that other Nicktoons were. Same. And so digging back into this now, obviously for episode 138 a couple years ago, and then getting into it tonight, I'm really glad that the tone is still the same. I think that that's definitely something that is, that is excellent. That's sort of... Uh, that tone that you know and you love from Invader Zim is still present. All of the nonsense, screaming, gross-out, uh, non-sequitur, irrelevant humor that they add in. Every wide mouth with skinny pencil teeth screaming at you for about an hour. It's all still there. It's all still present. And if you like Invader Zim, and if you're like me, you've kind of grown to love Invader Zim after the fact. Right. That's wonderful, being able to see and kind of capture that tone, especially 13 years after the end of the show. I think that that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, Sean and I are what is known as old, so we had to kind of like, <laughs> we had to come Damn to this Nicktoon after the fact. Uh, so, you know, SpongeBob, Invader Zim, things like that, those were kind of after our time. Uh, I did reach out to my brother and kind of gloated that, you know, I got to watch this ahead of time because he was a huge Invader Zim fan and a big fan of Gurr, too. So I really think for him, uh, he's going to love the fact that it does keep that 
sense of humor, that style, that like zaniness and kind of attention to each of those individual characters that you know and love from the original one, they're still here. The, again, the animation style, they're cleaned up though a lot. They look really good. Like yeah. it, it's fun to watch on like the big widescreen um, you know, stream quality, whatever is good, but the animation quality itself is like, it's really solid. They don't change the style much, no. but it's just cleaner. It's the same kind of thing with Rocco. You can just see uh, the, they have the benefit of 20 years, 15, 20 years of, of improved animation delivery and frame rate and things like that. So it just looks really good. Yeah. What about you? What else jumped out at you as, uh, as good stuff in the special? You know, I, honestly, just the, I thought the story was good just in terms of being able to have Zim kind of appeal to the tallest, the, sure. the Urk invaders, the, the leaders right. of his, the Armada. His generals, his royalty, essentially. His bosses. His bosses. And so him just really appealing to them in sort of a, a nonsense way felt very relatable. Uh, and, and kind of in retrospect, it, it definitely felt like early me in a professional setting where I didn't come with a plan and I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I was just kind of happy to be there. And people yeah. probably looked at me, rolled their eyes and thought, this guy needs to think a little bit more critically about what he's doing here. And lo and behold, X number of years later, I'm much better at doing that. So there's been growth for me? Question mark? Question mark? What's funny is that's how oh, Sean possibly. looks at me whenever I sign on to the podcast. He just rolls <laughs> his eyes. It's just like, you didn't have a plan. What are you doing here? We'll <laughs> no, just that's do our best. Accurate. It's not uh, accurate. But it's funny, though. You, you touch on the context uh, and the content of the actual narrative of this special, which it is wacky, it's zany, it's silly. There's a ton of food scenes that come out of nowhere. There's non-sequiturs. There's crazy montages that are a lot of fun. There's a lot of like little diversions that don't go anywhere. They're just fun for fun's sake, which is great. But they, when they do get a little bit more serious, it's this. there's a couple of themes. And the main one for me was sort of you've got Zim and you've got Dib, two opposing forces but each of them are looking for respect and recognition from people they admire and they go about it in their own particular way right so you've got zim who's looking to the tallest who he doesn't really know this but they just kind of like put him on this backwater planet called earth to get him out of their hair and out of their way and they wanted nothing to do with him but they told him it's like a very important planet it's very important to the plans of the urkin armada or whatever so for 20 years he's been He's been trying to, like, take over the planet for them and impress them and, you know, do all that stuff. In this special, he finds out they don't really care. And uh, for right. a while, he gets depressed. And whether or not that is is a true sense of how he's actually feeling or not, you'll have to watch the special and see. But I think for Dib, he ties all of his um, worth, I guess, into either exposing Zim as this alien invader or getting recognition and respect from his father, this like super scientist, Professor Membrane. So it's interesting that both of them want the same thing. They want recognition, they want respect, they both have a wacky way of going about it, and the way that it ends for both of them is completely different, but satisfying in its own kind of way. So the story actually handled pretty well. Right. Let's let's maybe talk about some bad things. Sure. Let's get into this. I mean, so- I'll, I'll turn it to you, because I really don't have too much. Yeah, I don't I don't have too much either. I will say though that for the the relationship that we had between Zim and Dib mm-hmm. where they're both looking for the respect and recognition from each other, uh, there was definitely that moment where you see that Dib is looking for the exact same thing from his father, Professor yeah. Membrane. And I got 
not it's not bad, but I got a little bit annoyed about the fact that there there was this really touching father son moment where he makes this confession and says, you know, look at all this stuff that I've captured. I wish, I wish that you could like have my back. I wish that you could have my back. And Professor Membrane just looks at him and goes, "Wishing isn't scientific, son." And it was, and then. To have the dad, as you're going through the entire episode, the entire movie, continue to negate what his son is showing him and and presenting, I just wanted one moment where the dad was like, I understand respect and I, I, I hear what you're saying and I see what you're doing. Now, there is definitely a moment where the dad says, like, I have your back. But right. at the same time, he's negating that that sentiment by thinking that all of this is in another reality or that this isn't real per se yeah. to him. And that was continually extremely frustrating for me. They, they do kind of play fast and loose with that a little bit. And that lines up with kind of my one complaint where this show is definitely lighter in the subject matter than uh, right. last, last time um, for Rocco. So they don't quite dig as deep as they could in either social contemporary context or interpersonal relationships with uh, fathers and sons or father figures and, and son figures, if that's a term, um, they don't quite go as deep and they don't quite um, land the emotional beats as well. So like Sean was saying, Dib does kind of get that back and forth with his dad, uh, but it's not quite as, it's not executed quite as well as it could be. I'll say that. I'll, I'll say in some cases it's really not executed at all. And that's what's yeah. I mean, I did I did like the moments where they're kind of fighting side by side. I thought that was fun. That was yeah. a nice moment. Uh, they do kind of undercut it later, where they just and and Vasquez talks about it at the end of the special. Everything kind of like resets back to where it was because this isn't and and for better or worse, he talks about this being a continuation. It's not a nicely wrapped up, neat and tidy story. There's going to be you know more work to do in the future, essentially to like for this kid to like prove himself to his father or his father to take him seriously or whatever. Sure. It's just kind of an open ended thing for sure. better or worse for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah. But that was pretty much it. That's all I had for like my gripes with the the special last week. My only gripe was that it was too short this week at about an hour and change. It's, I think it's where it needs to be. Really? I, there was a couple moments where I thought to myself, this might be too long. You think it's a little long? Yeah. I think the Rocco, length of the 45 to 50 minutes. I think that that was the sweet spot for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt like there was some additional filler or if you're an invader Zim lover, it's just screaming. It's just like flat out tons and tons of screaming. Well, now that's a good time to talk about the LOL because as yeah. I was going through the LOLs, there are things that you could have cut these. Like they didn't serve the story at all. They were just funny. So it right. would be like watching, you know, watching uh, a sketch comedy or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that hour, of SNL was like there were 20 minutes that were really good and needed to be there, but there were also like three or four scenes. I like, I laughed a couple times, but they didn't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, something like that. What were some of the things that stood out as, as LOLs for you? Uh, let's get into this. <laughs> the gratuitous use of pugs and yeah. science puppy. Yeah. At some point, uh, these things are just so weird. And I, I love dogs so much. And to just kind of see Gurr put a pug into his head and then well first i thought he was eating the pug he did he eats it first and then launches it out of the top of his head because this goes this goes right from the fact that zim goes you know i saw i saw gur uh eat a baby at a taco place and gur's like i did it and then (laughs) 
pretty much puts a pug dog into his mouth and you're just like, oh no, don't let this happen. And then he shoots the pug into orbit yep. in outer space only to have it button and come back like and be part of the stinger at yeah. the end. And so, so it happens early in the movie and then it comes back to literally comes back to earth uh, at the end. Yeah. Yes. So stuff like that was so fun. Uh, the, the bloaty character. Oh my God. That was one of the funniest things I thought. I, was, I think it was Justin Roiland too. Cause Justin yes. Roiland did a few voices in the special just because they could get him in and, and had him do that. There weren't many other like stunt cameos or stunt casting though. So it's pretty much the main cast and then at throw Justin Roiland in to do his crazy stuff. That character of just saying like when he is on the commercial, just going, it's a pizza with 10 pizzas inside of the pizza. And then he throws up a pizza onto the wall. It's the, it, it, that's the level of gross out humor that this is like still very teenage yep. gross out humor that's in there and it's and for for the tone of the show it works and it's fun and again vasquez he was like look i put that in there because i told him how much it made me laugh i said i had to push pause because i don't want to miss what happened next because i was laughing so hard but <laughs> i said there's no reason for it to be in there he said yeah i just wanted to have bloaty throw up a pizza like that's the only reason that's in there because <laughs> i wanted to see him throw up and he does he throws up a pizza on the wall uh oh. for our listeners out there i want you to reply either in the comments reach us on twitter Email, however you want to do it. Tell us what 10 pizzas you want stuffed in your Peace Day pizza. Remember, the Peace Day pizza comes with 10 other pizzas stuffed inside it. Yep. So and tell me which. That's a ton of pizza. Tell me which 10 pizzas you want on there. If anyone says Hawaiian, you're out. Really? No, I love Hawaiian. Okay. I mean, Hawaiian has its place. It's fine. Yeah. I just wanted to like trigger just uh, five people. Just out one. There. Just, <laughs> just a. If you're putting pineapple and ham on your pizza, don't listen to this show. But Never also, listen to this show again. But also make sure you comment. <laughs> yeah, but definitely leave that comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little things like vampire bees, little yeah. stuff that felt like they would be in place in like Adventure Time or whatever, things that were around the same time um, or maybe influenced by it after the fact, these little non sequiturs, things like that. They were, they were super fun. I really didn't have too many issues with the, the sort of like side commentaries. I loved all the food references. Yes. They talk about food so much. Gurr talks about ordering a bunch of pizzas, wrapping himself up in pizza so he can be like the world's largest pizza. Yep. The, he makes a machine that shoots waffles and then uh, like hydros or uh, like hydrants like syrup all over it, which I it was, want. Yeah, it was gross, but I wanted it at the same time. It was time. so gross. It was like if you made a tank into a waffle iron or vice versa, mm -hmm. and then it had a like syrup fountain on it. And now I'm hungry. Um, I want it. Yeah, now I want it. But like just fun stuff like that. That was just completely not related to the plot whatsoever. Yeah. The moment as something that is related to the plot, as we've talked about Zim's depression, yeah. where he's encased in a nacho cheese chip cocoon. <laughs> yeah, in a cocoon. At some <laughs> on point. On his couch. It's so That's weird. so gross. And I really thought that as he was going to emerge, that he was going to be sort of a, a, a chair dib style character. Right. Yeah, they inside, didn't change him much. And they didn't change anything. But no. There was that moment where I was like, come on, come on, just play with this, have fun with this. You can do it. You can well, do Dib's, it. Dib's transformations were great because he was super grotesque uh, to begin with, and they had a lot of fun with it. And then he has like the Rocky training montage, and he yeah. gets like mega buff to the point that he's like terrifying. Right. But then they call attention to that too, and he comes back down to like normal size. So I, I had a lot of fun with that too. <laughs> yeah, a lot of little yeah. touches and stuff in there that's really fun. It's just, for me overall, it was just like a solid special that is. Maybe not a love letter to the fans of the original, but just an extension of what they like the show for to begin with. If at any point in time they decide that they want to do an invader gym, 
right. spinoff. They set that up. Invader Jim is fantastic. He sends them donuts. I'm ready to watch that any day of the week. Slurpees that and donuts. Wonderful. Love it. Sounds wonderful. What's interesting is what happened to the tallest, but you guys will have to watch the actual special to uh, see for yourself. I still think that that's one of those things that like they could they could write around it. They could definitely make it fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. In a way, there's like, a lot yeah, of open ended stuff in this one. Yeah, exactly. Let's just say there are a lot of possibilities at the end of this special. Definitely. So I'm guessing you're not going to give it the dip. I'm definitely not giving it the dip. Nice. No. And I'd recommend checking it You'd out. You'd recommend? I love, cool. I love the fact that we're at this point where it's been two weeks in August and we've had two Nicktoons specials released on Netflix. It worked on out Netflix. really well for us because we were just able to talk about both of them and Batman Hush, like kind of like one, two, three. <laughs> it was like really easy. It's not a dry spell. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week, but tune in to find out. Going to get weird. Could be anything. You're not dipping this either. I'm not dipping it, which is good because we have an interview with the creator, Jonan Vasquez, <laughs> coming up right about now. Right about now? Absolutely. Cool. So obviously, these are our impressions of Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. Now we're going to chat with Jonan Vasquez, the creator of Invader Zim. Take it away, Dave. Okay, so first of all, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak with me today. Invader Zim has had kind of an interesting run at Nickelodeon over the years. So how did this special come together? And when did you first kind of conceive of the idea for it? Um, the special came together from years and years of Nickelodeon sort of bringing it up. Not as a special, but just doing any more Zim, like initially as, uh, as more, more episodes, like doing more series of Zim. Uh, every time that I had any kind of conversations with them, it would, it, whether I was pitching other stuff, I'd go into a, one time I went to pitch a completely different show, and the first half hour of the meeting was just them saying, so, Zim, huh? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 uh, I think, you know, it, it was kind of hard for them to ignore the fan response over the years, uh, not really letting it back down. And a lot of the people at Nickelodeon over the years were a lot more supportive because they were the people who were working under the people who were in charge of the you know, programming back in the day. And so these people ended up becoming the higher-ups, and they just had, a, a I guess, a, a, softer, a soft spot for them. Uh, which is funny because anytime I talk to people or hear from people who, you know, hear that I'm doing more Zim stuff, they're just like, what? How are you working with Nickelodeon again? Didn't they screw you over before? Uh, and it's, it's, it's interesting. It's that you were hearing about how people perceive of networks and all this, this giant monster corporations. They're not people. They're, I guess, legally they're people, but, uh, they're, they're just, they just happen to be whoever is working there at the time. And back in the day, there were different people. And now there's just, well, now, now there's a completely different set of people. But when this movie got going, it was just uh, a far more supportive environment than uh, we'd ever had, even from back in the day. So it just kind of worked out. The timing just happened to work out uh, 2015, 2016. I think uh, the comics had been coming out and they were doing well. And I just was a lot more receptive to the idea of doing more Zen as opposed to in the last several thousand years where it just, it didn't make sense. It wasn't something that was really pushing me. Uh, I didn't really 
want to do more now, but I wanted to avoid it. It's just I had other stuff in my mind. Sure. Uh, what what was it about this story that um, made it the right, you know, the right one to talk about, the right one after so much time kind of spent away from the animated series? What was it about Enter the Florpus uh, that was the one to go with? You know, honestly, this idea made sense just because it was the first one that, it's kind of hard, it's hard to describe. It was the first one that didn't feel important. <laughs> if that makes any sense, it was the one that felt like the most natural to Zim. It was just, here's more Zim. I've said this uh, a million times now. It was the one that felt like it wasn't trying to impress upon you how much time has passed or anything. It was just, here's more Zim. And it felt natural to me. I didn't want it to feel like some big event of, you know, here comes your childhood again. And I, I was cashing in on nostalgia. Just one the last thing that I wanted to do. And for the longest time, after I finally agreed to, you know, consider doing more stuff, you know, I, I left Nickelodeon with the, you know, I, I, I basically said, I'll think about it, but it has to be something that comes from me, that doesn't come from other people's desire to see more of them. It should just feel like, oh, that's funny, and that's, that could be fun to do. I, re- I, I really wanted to stay away from making anything feel like like unnaturally focusing on the return of anything. Like, Zim just shows up in the movie. There's not, like, shots of his feet walking, you know, down a hallway where it's just, that's just, it's just bullshit. I don't know. I didn't want to. It should feel like people just tuned in and Zim is still on the air. Uh, that was a, a big, a big motivator for me for the storytelling and the approach. I mean, Zim's always overblown. Everything about Zim thinks it's a huge deal, but it's not a huge deal that it's been gone for so long. I was just going to say, I love uh, two things kind of about the, the opening uh, of this special. One, touching on what you were just talking about, where you find out that Zim's just been like hiding in the toilet for 15 years and just like cackling maniacally because he's just been thinking about his plans or whatever. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, man. <laughs> you know? But yeah. He loves it. He, he, he can't believe how amazing this plan is. <laughs> but then on the other hand, when you first, you know, click that button, when you push play to start this special... You get this amazing anime-inspired, kind of like action-packed, robust, crazy narration sequence to like drop you into this thing. And again, not what you're expecting. So can you talk about kind of the idea behind coming up with that opening and uh, getting to kind of play around oh, with anime man. style? Yeah. I hope people don't listen to this before they see the movie. Sure. That, that's, one of those things, that's one of those things that uh, pretty early on, once we got into production, um, even before production, there were a couple of things that were just these sacred jokes that uh, they 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 sustained me and sort of gave me a little bit of a little boost of life for along the production journey. You know, it's pretty good making anything, yeah. regardless of the subject matter, funny or drama. It's just it still work. And so I would, I, I had a couple of there were a couple of ideas and jokes that I could not wait to to when this thing was actually done. I couldn't I love thinking about when people got to experience these moments. And that's one of them. Just starting with uh starting with something that people absolutely don't expect 
making the show like so much higher quality. And not just higher quality, like a completely different show where people who who are fans of the show, people who aren't fans of the show would watch it and just think, Oh shit. Right. This is like a whole other thing. <laughs> oh my god, I'm on board for this. This is a free show or Finally, this doesn't look like, you know, the stupid crap that it used to look like. <laughs> and then it's just like a couple of seconds, and then we're back into, you know, the stupid-looking cartoon. And I really, really wanted to feel people's disappointment. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I'd love to be in an audience and hear people, like, laughing or being or, or cheering, and then to feel that drop when it's, like, back, and they're like, oh, this isn't actually the movie. I I don't know. That just uh, I love thinking about that. I feel like if people know Zim and know kind of the humor of the original, I think I mean I hope that they'll get it. You know, they'll watch it and either they'll be fooled or or they'll immediately kind of get it and get the kind of like meta humor that's going on, or maybe they won't and it'll take them some time to get used to. It. I don't know, but I loved it and I love that later on uh, in the special, you actually almost kind of have a um. There's almost like a built-in explanation if you want to call it that. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah, sort of your, no, it's, your alternate it's, reality stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it serves a purpose. It's not just to be stupid. Right. It's just this great union of, there's a reason for it, and it's really stupid. <laughs> what, what was the process like of, of you guys trying to figure out which animation styles you wanted for those like really quick scenes with the alternate reality? It reminded me a bit of like... Spider-Man, like Into the Spider-Verse, the jumps between different animation styles, different genres. Oh my god, dude! So you're fun. you're 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 picking up some really uh, sensitive wounds there. <laughs> I went and saw Spider-Verse, and you know, I'm just like, oh my god, because that's where it is really similar. Right. It's a, it's a really similar treatment and reason for why that's happening in the movie. And I was watching it, just feeling so terrible and ugly. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, look what look what an actual budget gets you. <laughs> oh, I was crying. I mean, because we were we were at the end of our production when Spider-Verse came out. We were um, you know, it was the last couple of months. And it was when all the shit was hitting the fan and we you know, these things there's so many disasters on a production and we didn't have the kind of budget that <laughs> Spider-Verse had. Sure. So when I was in that theater watching that scene, I was like, my God, this is incredible. And I suck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Spider-Verse, awesome. We're okay. Well, hey, anytime you get to showcase like different, even if it's just little quick snapshots of like different animation styles all in sync. I mean, dressing up pugs as your characters, stop motion stuff, the old school style of, of animation, the way they used to do it. I love it. I'm a fan. So I think people out there, I love it. Oh, oh, let me, let me correct. Uh, I just was very conscious of our lack of budget. Oh, sure. The actual stuff that we got and the people that we got to come in and do this stuff, they're amazing. Like that scene alone, that the stuff that was handled by Spencer Juan, uh, who was responsible for, he was handed it. The, uh, the intro, and then he has a couple of shots later on, uh, all the like sort of hyper, hyper rendered anime looking stuff. Right. Um, that is incredible work. And it, it, it just takes the movie to a, a whole other level. But I'm, I'm so happy and proud of everything that those guys did. We had, um, 
we didn't get everyone that we wanted with scheduling issues, but we got a pretty great mix of people in style. Well, and speaking of, of getting people back, like your original cast, you got back. I don't know if people were expecting to hear the voice of, of Tack or Tack's ship uh, in the special. Can, can you talk about like the fan reaction to that? I, I believe the character was only in like one episode in the original series, but it's, yeah, it had this like cult following. So what was it like bringing her back? Sort of. Um, <laughs> yeah, sort of. I think that's another one of those things where I think people are going to, I think people want for Tack to come back, but she comes back, like she did in the series, she came back one or two times as her ship, because her personality is downloaded into the, the ship. Um, and so she's present in ship form, again, because it's just this capture working technology that Grid has. Um, I don't know what the same reaction is going to be like. I think there's going to be a lot of people angry that they see uh, that she's in the movie, but not you know, not as tack proper. Right. So there is more disappointment for me to feed off of. Well, but hey, you got uh, Olivia back, yeah. You got you got the original voice cast back. So what was that? What was that like oh getting the God. gang back? Together? Olivia, yeah. It was great. It, we kept it really tight. We didn't really have a. Uh, it was always designed to be incredibly focused. The story and the which keeps the cast really small. Um. I I wanted something that could function for new viewers. I made this thing mainly for if fans suddenly had amnesia for for new fans, they could come in and they so long as they understood the character dynamics right off the bat. This guy hates that guy, that guy hates that guy, this girl hates everybody. Um then they didn't really need to have an entire history show. They could just go, God, what is this? what the hell is this? And maybe they'll like it, maybe they hate it, but they don't need to know too much about the series. So that meant not a whole lot of new characters, not a whole lot of new voices. So it was the core team. It was just Richard and Melissa and Andy and Ricky, um, me, we had Olivia and Wally, uh, you know, we did just the main guys, the tallest memory family, the, I guess, Jim family with her and then, um, and it was, it was just like hanging out with friends. There's no time in the past at all. Because in a lot of ways, it really hasn't. I still see these people, I keep in touch with them. And, uh, I loved it. Like the voice acting stuff, voice directing is probably some of the most enjoyable stuff working on the kind of stuff that I do. So you're just hanging out with friends. It's not uncomfortable. No one's self-conscious. It's the way that's supposed to be. I love it. And then having Justin Roiland come in to do a wacky voice or two doesn't hurt either, I would imagine. No, well, it was difficult because he's busy working on some cartoon with <laughs> his, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, but it was, again, like he was one of the few additions that uh, we, we didn't really do any kind of stunt casting or Alex Griffin. Oh, you know what? We did want Jeff Goldblum to come in and do his voice, oh, but he couldn't. He wouldn't. Uh, I guess we're just not cool enough. On the next one. But uh, we did it. But what ended up happening was we had Eric Bauza, mm -hmm. who did, God, I think he ended up doing like a Morbid Freeman book, so, you know, whatever. It's uh, not that uh, Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. But, uh, you know, it's 
it's kind of a Morgan Freeman, and that's really all a person needs. Maybe we'll get to hear that someday on a on a you know future special or a <laughs> deleted scene or something or a voice cast uh, blooper reel or something like that. Oh man. I really can't <laughs> Someday, mark my words. Um, for fans mark who are coming back, for fans who are coming back from the original series, you know, I noted things like I love the little commercial with uh, Bloody's Pizza Hog and his Peace Day Pizza. Mm -hmm. That had me pausing because I was laughing so hard at that. Any other kind of like Easter eggs oh, or stuff that's in there as treats for for uh, previous fans that maybe they'll miss or just to keep an eye out for? I would say that there's actually very few Easter eggs. Again, it was it was one of those things where I didn't want to um like just as a as a fan, as a viewer of things, I can't stand going to a movie or mainly movies where they do this where it's something that, you know, you grew up watching and so you watch some new iteration of it or a sequel and they throw in all these little things for you to recognize and I just find that shit distracting. Right. Um, Bloody's presence is just kind of this remainder of a previous version of the script, and I needed to get Bloody in there. It wasn't for like, hey, guys, remember Bloody? It was because I love Bloody, and I wanted to see him cough a pizza against the wall. <laughs> um, like, I, you, know, you see Rogue One, you know, you just see Rogue One, I love Rogue One, but I can't. Damn that shit when we're walking through a crowd and it's like, hey, look at those guys from yep. the cantina and mm -hmm. New Hope. And I, it just stops the movie. It doesn't make it better for me. Why are those guys there? Like, it's just dumb and distracting and I don't need it. You guys, you guys have me already. It's Star Wars. It's fun stuff. It's stupid. Uh, I'm going to have a good time, hopefully. Uh, I don't, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want it to be about Hey, look at that thing in the background. Look at this. It just kind of comes naturally. This stuff is it's there, but I never wanted it to stop the movie. The movie's distracting enough as it is. Yeah, exactly. We're on the same page. Now, if one of those characters had thrown up a pizza and said that it was a pizza stuffed with 10 other pizzas, then maybe I would have been like, okay, they're doing something here. <laughs> that's, that's wildly different from what Oh, I'm my God. It's if those guys from the cantina are vomiting for some reason, <laughs> then I'd be like, oh, you know what? Normally I'm not into this stuff, but uh, this is pretty weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm over. on board. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> switching away from some of the kind of goofy stuff and getting to kind of the, the core, you know, the core of the story here. Um, there's a lot of craziness and wackiness and, and kind of wild humor wrapped around it. But for me, the core of the story is kind of like seeking respect, right? You have Dib. That goes through a process of, of trying to get respect. Uh, you have Zim going through the process yeah. in, in a similar way. You can even argue that Gurr, in his own very special way, tries to get respect from people that he admires. So how personal is that theme kind of for you? Or is that just something that helped to crack this particular story? A little bit of everything. I, I think you're, you're right about everything except for Gurr. Gurr doesn't know <laughs> where he is. Who's around him? <laughs> I think he has a form of, you know, he he's broken. He's a broken servant. But there's enough of uh, being aware of his function. He, he, he wants to be around them. He wants to, you know, he wants to do his job. But I think that's kind of where it ends. But I don't, I try not to give Gore too much uh, motivation other than the motivation of just this amoral baby monster. 
um, as for the, the rest of it, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it was because of, because of it being a longer format, I knew right off that that it had to be about more than just the typical Zoom episode, while still being natural to the world. You know, the last thing I wanted was for people to think, oh, God, it's, you know, this is this, this full of sentiment and it feels forced and because it's kind of, it's not that it really have any space in, in him. You know, there's, there's like two emotions in the show. There's just anger and yell. Uh, <laughs> that's an emotion. But it had to, it had to focus on something a little bit more just to, so that it wasn't just nonstop screaming and and anger. So you know that stuff was in the show. Then then always was seeking acknowledgement from his leaders, and Dig was always incredibly frustrated by his dad's uh, disrespect of 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 Dig's job and function and mission in the world. And they always had that kind of parallel, you know, Dib with his dad and Dim with his, you know, quote, dad. Um, but it's always heated with, it's not like, hey, you know, show me that you love me. It's, hey, acknowledge that I'm amazing. Right. You know, because these characters are jerks. They have to, like, still retain that core of being jerks. Dib doesn't just want to save the world. He wants you to know that he saved the world. It's like did need to be recognized is why everything in this story happened. Exactly. You know? Yeah. He's as much a, a villain as did is. He you know, everyone always wants their Zen and Did to be friends. Not even say everyone, I would just say broken people. <laughs> but uh but you know, they do help each other, just not on purpose. Right. You know, did 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 is a partner in a weird way to them by allowing for this awful stuff to happen. Did just human enough to realize, oh my god, I really screwed up, and now I have to really stop him instead of just stopping him for glory. So there's, you know, there's a little bit more to. To this movie than there than there ever was for a typical episode, but my hope is that people feel it still feels like the characters in the world and isn't just some completely different take on 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 everything. Yeah, no, I think especially with the uh, kind of the hour long format though too, you need kind of. You know, you got to raise the stakes a little bit, and that includes not just the dramatic stuff, but the emotional stuff too. But like you said, to stay true to the the core of what these characters and the story was about. And I think you guys did that fantastically. Another kind of more of a minor theme in this one, more of like the dramatic uh, action focused plot is is kind of like mindless consumerism. Uh, Zim has a great line and I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> he says something like all this time trying to subjugate the humans and all I had to do was charge them for it. I thought that was a fantastic line that had me like laughing and thinking at the same time. So any comments on, on that kind of like hey, hey. minor theme? Uh, it's, it was a much more major thing mm. in, in the original idea. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's definitely still in there. Um, I, I'm not 
I don't, I don't sit down and go, Ooh, I'm really going to, you know, stick it to this or that when I write anything. Um, but it, I'm aware of it. And I, again, I never want it to feel overt, um, even though I guess in this, it's, we can't ignore it. Um, but then the world of them has always been about people being completely distracted or oblivious. Uh, focusing on really minor, stupid little details while the world around them is literally decaying. Right. Um, the world of them is always this kind of monstrous infrastructure, but squalid <laughs> for some weird reason. Um, and that's definitely in the movie. I feel like the world is slightly less squalid, which, I don't know, I think if I were to take another stab at it, I'd make it a little dirtier. Yeah. But, but initially, in the original idea, no one knows that anything bad has happened. None of the humans, like, from beginning to end, pay any attention to anything that uh, is happening. Literally, the world is cracking in half. And they're just really happy with their, uh, you know, with their phones, with their, their wristwatches, really, in the movie. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't want to go that way. It kind of like just distracted from the core story of, you know, the dad, and then the, the tallest, and then they're just doing their thing. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to miss some of that stuff. Pretty. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I was like saying that I'm trying to avoid being overt, but it's pretty overt. Well, I think, I mean, the kind of uh, double-edged sword there is that if you're too subtle with it, a lot of people aren't going to get it, and they're the ones that need to hear it the most. And if you're too overt with it, really the only people who are going to complain are the people who may have picked up on the subtext anyway. So I think you guys did fine. Um, yeah. In it, there, there's a similar theme of that <laughs> in the recent uh, Rocco's Modern Life special that also aired. Uh, on Netflix. So you guys are airing about a week apart. Um, on this podcast, we did have a chance to yeah. chat with Joe Murray and review the special as well. So I was just curious, did you guys or your teams happen to cross paths at all in the in the production on each of your specials? No, I just watched that. It just went up on Netflix. Cool. So I did like dig down and search for it. Uh, you know, I, I guess the difference between the Rockers thing and the Zoom thing is Rockers addresses the passage of time. And it, <laughs> I mean, Rockers is definitely the thing for people to watch if they want to feel some kind of conclusion. But Zim is not that. <laughs> Rockers definitely, Rockers outright says, this thing is from the past, and look at how the world has changed. Zim doesn't try to address how the world has changed. It just, I feel like it makes as much sense now as it did back then, if not more so. It, it doesn't present a problem and then tell you how to solve it. It just goes, look at this awful world. Isn't this awful? <laughs> That's kind of it. Um, it's always, I don't I know, when I talk about the show, I just talk about the show being some show from the future. Right. Where, where, Everyone is just cool. Everyone knows what 
humanity did wrong. And so this show is just this uh, kind of a relic that everyone's fascinated by. Look how awful people used to be. Look how dirty the world used to be. Look how, look how negligent everyone used to be to the world that's falling apart around them. Um, I think a lot of people see that as just pure cynicism, but it was never that for me. Yeah. There's an element of cynicism to it, for sure, but uh, I always liked stuff like that growing up, knowing true well that it wasn't stuff to emulate. It wasn't just being nasty and turning a finger at things and going, ha, ha, ha. Isn't it ridiculous how people can be and how the world can be? I think the Rocco's thing is, I think, more, more overall positive without, without having to make any, any further leap from that. The, the Zen stuff, um, it gets lumped into just being cruel. And I can totally see that. I think, that, I think a lot of mean stuff is incredibly funny. So long as you're not laughing at it because it's like the stuff that you do. <laughs> right. I'm a piece of shit, so I love watching people be pieces of shit. I like watching people be shit and pieces of shit because I try not to be. Right. And it's funny to laugh at people who are worse than you. <laughs> I feel like this is this is now a good time, uh, I think, for this show to be coming out. I just hope, like I said before. I just hope that the kind of subtext, no matter how over you make it, I hope that people pick it up and can like talk about it, listen to podcasts like this to actually hear you talk about it. And honestly, I'd love to talk uh, about cynicism and uh, satire and stuff all day. But before I run out of time with you, I have to ask any future stories for Invader Zim and would you like to do more specials in the future? I've been getting that all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't. I I don't know. Obviously, I would love, to see, especially because of the movie. Working on this movie, coming up with one story, and then spending years on it versus a few weeks, and then you're on to the next thing where you can change direction, take them somewhere else. I got incredibly frustrated. I got very impatient, and so of course, I was thinking of like, oh my, like, wouldn't it be great to do this or that with him, or how funny would it be to be able to tell this story? So it's in me to just make this stuff. And the logistics, though, I don't know. I, I would love to work on other things. I'd love to be able to like work with a greater range of emotions than what Zim lets me do. But I would still definitely like to see these characters living and doing other stuff. Um, it really just all depends on the kind of arrangement that, would, that I'd be allowed, you know? Um, Maybe I'm just writing it, and I'm not. I'm writing it from my space station, you know, far away, and I don't have to be going into the studio like I used to. Right. I'd love to be able to work on other stuff while keeping it alive. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It was, it's a thing that comes up now and then. It used to come up a lot more during production. Sure. Uh, there was a lot of talk about about bringing the show back, but then that those conversations just kind of went away when, you know, there were changeovers with Nickelodeon and other people have other stuff on their minds, then it's not really priority. So, everyone thinks that when the movie comes out, it does well. 
I, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know that I'll know if it does well or not. Netflix doesn't really. We've got that whole mysterious keeping the numbers secret kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how people respond to it. Definitely. Well, what's up next for you in the meantime, then, while while you wait to hear back on that and while you wait to see if the future of Zoom holds? What else are you up to? I'm, you know, I'm, sort, of, I'm sort of like in this weird limbo. I'm trying to take it easy. I'm taking it easy for me, maybe working on something that isn't mine, hmm. but that I can have a hand in. So, at the moment, I might be working on something that's bigger than anything I've ever done. Uh, just as a writer. And that, to me, that's a vacation, something that isn't entirely mine, that I can hopefully improve, but isn't me calling every single shot. I'm able to just focus on one little aspect of it and hopefully making that better. Or worse, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, that's a great tease, and unfortunately, I think I have to leave it there. So thanks again. Uh, best of luck with Invader Zim and for the Florpus. I hope everybody loves it as much as I did. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jonah Vasquez, for, for doing the interview. Thank you, Dave, for being there. And also, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah. You heard him on this week's episode, our friend Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience, with his co-host, Bobby Blades. You can also find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. And Bobby has also started a solo podcast that is called In Search of My Lost Soul, which is available along with the Inhuman Experience podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere that podcasts are found. Give In Search of My Lost Soul a listen. It is dynamite. Please, I can't urge you to listen to it enough. Hey, Dave, what are you up to? Yeah, same old stuff. You can find me over at Collider.com. You can also find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. And if you're the reading type, you can check out my new book, the Science of Breaking Bad, which is not a cartoon yet for some reason. Uh, you can find that over at MIT Press, or you can look on Amazon to check it out, or pretty much anywhere books are sold. That's a big dot, 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 yet. Not yet. A cartoon. Oh my yet. God. The world's colliding. I would love that. They do have a mobile game, which is not good, but uh, baby steps. Oh, baby steps. Yeah. How about you, As bud? From, oh, wait, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. I perform live improv comedy with a group. That's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform in Washington, D.C. You can find tickets and times witdc.org. Hey, want to contact us on this show? Sure, please. Uh, that's how we do the shout outs at the beginning. You can also go on Apple iTunes and you can review us. Recommend us to a friend. Slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Remember, that's morning with you. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an old-fashioned email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can listen and find all of these links on our link tree, which is in the bio for all of our social media sites. And as always, you can listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you guys so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.